Welcome everybody to the very first Ipso podcast. Uh, my name is Vicky and I'm going to be your host today. And um, We're hoping to do these podcasts every couple of months or so. And they're really for anyone that's interested in journalism, newspapers and magazines, how the press is regulated and our work in general. So we'll be covering some key regulatory issues and we'll also look at some broad topics related to the media. We'll look at the editor's code of practice and how it's applied by Ipsos Complaints Committee and we'll also cover some interesting Ipso decisions. So I'm joined today in this episode by our standards team, Charlotte Irwin, Head of Standards, and Liam Ted, Standards Officer, and we're going to be looking at the topic of social media. Now Charlotte, tell us a little bit about why we're discussing this today. Thanks Vicky. So I think there are two key reasons why we're looking at the topic of journalists using information from social media today. The first is that, you know, as Ipso, we often get calls from journalists and editors who want a bit of advice from us about um, kind of how the code, the Editor's Code of Practice, applies to using information taken from social media. For example, thinking about clauses around privacy, uh, children, things like that. But in addition to that, we also get quite a lot of calls from members of the public and complaints from members of the public who are concerned that a journalist has published information that that member of the public has put on their social media profile. It could be a photo, it could be a tweet, it could be something about their status, anything like that. So we get calls from members of the public as well. And in response to both those calls from journalists and calls from members of the public, we've produced some guidance for journalists and some information for members of the public, and that's why we're discussing the topic today. Great. So we know then, from what you said, Charlotte, um, and from what we can see day to day from reading newspapers, that social media has kind of fundamentally changed the way that we as the public consume news, but also the way that journalists work. So, Liam, let's talk a little bit now about how journalists are using social media for news gathering. Yeah, so like you said, it's complete, social media has completely revolutionised the way that journalists can do some of their work. Um, for example, social media is a very easy way for journalists to get in contact with people, um, maybe reaching out to individuals who they want to speak to, or perhaps picking up on stories that people are sharing themselves. Um, there's also, uh, social media is used a lot to try and um, show the human side of a story, or to show what's what's happening on the ground in, in sort of um, breaking news events. And also sometimes social media itself is a big story, when things are going viral, or when there's big interest about something on Facebook or Twitter, and we've seen that with things like the Me Too campaign. Mm, sure. And are there any kind of special circumstances here? So Charlotte mentioned the Editor's Code, which I'm sure most people are familiar, but if you're not, the Editor's Code of Practice is the set of rules that Ipso regulates, so it's a set of rules that newspapers and magazines who are signed up to Ipso must follow. So what does the kind of code, how does the code apply here? Yeah, so... so Obviously, they've got a journalist have always got to be mindful of the editor's code, and particularly thinking about um, how they accurately take things from social media, not just assuming that everything on social media is correct um, and that it's been put on in good faith, but also they need to be mindful of people's privacy when you're taking things from social media. And as well, um, we've seen a lot of we've seen how a lot of children use social media. More and more children are using uh, the internet and are using it perhaps without anybody's knowledge. So they've really got to be mindful of Clause 6 and the provisions there as well. Mm, so basically what you're saying is that the code still applies to material that is taken from social yeah. media. Yeah. Okay, so bearing all this in mind, 
Charlotte, what sort of things should the public then be thinking about when they're using social media? So, I mean, as Liam's touched on, I think social media can be a really powerful tool for, you know, for engaging with friends and family, for telling them kind of how your day is going or, or what you're up to, for sharing fun pictures of your holiday. It's also kind of a campaigning tool. It's a way of reaching people who you might not otherwise be able to get in touch with, kind of building a consensus around an issue, galvanising people to action. That's all great. But I think from the Ipso perspective, there are just a couple of things that people should think about when they're posting on social media. The first thing I would say is the advice I'm about to give is not legal advice and it doesn't cover issues like copyright. This is just about how the editor's code applies. And I think the thing that I think people often don't think about is that when you're posting something on social media, you know, all the sites have some way of controlling your privacy settings. But if you post without any privacy settings, in effect, you are posting to the whole world because anybody can see it. So that's the first thing. So that means you might want to think about kind of the material you're posting. You know, a fun thing to think about is what would my grandma, what my granny think of if they saw this information? Would that, would that be okay? You know, if you're posting to your friends and family, they might then share it on and it might get well get seen by people you never intended to see it. That could be a bit of a problem. So that's the first thing I think is around privacy. It's around thinking about what you might post. It's also thinking about, so if you do post something on social media, and you do post it without any privacy settings, a journalist can pick it up and they might well use it for, for the reasons that Liam's been talking about. But I think the final thing I would think about as well, of course, is that if anybody has any concerns about how a journalist has used information that they have put on social media, they can always get in touch with us. You know, we are here to, as I mentioned earlier, we're here to advise members of the public and to help them if they are concerned that a journalist has used their information in that way. And as you said, Charlotte, we have produced some information for the public and that is available on our website, which is ipso.co.uk, so you can download all of that information from there as well. And that also includes some advice on other places that people can go to if they are concerned about the material that they've posted on social media. So let's move on and talk about um, some recent Ipso decisions around social media. So as Charlotte mentioned, we do get quite a few complaints from members of the public which have an element of kind of social media in them. So we're just going to take a few kind of the most recent interesting ones and discuss why they're important. So I think the first thing to say for people that don't already know is that Ipsos complaints are ruled on by a committee of 12 people. So the majority of those members are independent. They don't have any connections with the newspaper and magazine industry. Um, the other members bring industry expertise. They have recent senior experience, but they're not currently serving editors. So those are the people that rule on every single complaint that comes before Ipse. Um, so let's move on and talk about our first complaint, which is beer versus mirror.co.uk. Now, this is one of those kind of going viral stories that we mentioned earlier. So, Liam, why don't you tell us a little bit about this? So, yeah, this is um, this is a complaint, beer versus mirror.co.uk. Uh, the complainant um, basically said that the mirror.co.uk had printed some photos, which he himself or by his wife as well have been shared on Facebook of his injuries following a spider bite. Um, so these had been posted and he with some text saying about how how, dan- how sort of dangerous it was and trying to sh- raise awareness. Because oh, this was around the time, wasn't it, where we had that kind of influx of those false widow spiders. Yeah, yeah. And really kind of the point of the post was to raise awareness about yeah. the impact that these bites can have because it was pretty nasty, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he said, 
Tay subsequently made a complaint to us after Mirror Code UK had um, published this and said that because it was a medical information, it was sort of these really graphic pictures of his of his injuries that it was private and that it shouldn't be shared um, any further by a newspaper. But when the complaints committee ruled on this complaint, they decided that as it had been shared very widely already on Facebook and because um, it had been shared with this sort of attempt to raise awareness of the problem, um, that it wasn't a breach of the code for the publication to print it and have it online. Mm, interesting. Um, so let's now move on and talk about a slightly kind of sadder complaint, really. So this um, is Faraday, um, and it is about um, a story of a young woman's suicide, which was illustrated with pictures from her Facebook page. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about, about this complaint, Charlotte? Yeah, absolutely. So this is Faraday versus the Lancashire, Lancashire Evening Post. Um, and as you say, Mickey, this is a very a sad article about the reporting of a young woman's suicide. Um, and the complaint, there were a number of elements to the complaint, but I'll just talk a bit about the bit that's most relevant to the podcast, which was about the use of some informa- of some photos taken from the young lady's Facebook profile. Um, they were used to illustrate the article, they showed her at home and on holiday, um, you know, uh, out living her life, essentially. Um, and Miss Potts, the young woman, taken her life um her stepmother complained to Ipso about the article and as I say about the kind of use of these photos because there was a there was a feeling that they were kind of um not sensitive in their in publishing these photos wasn't sensitive um but the committee having looked at the complaint um didn't uphold it in relation to these to the use of these photos because the committee said that the photos were taken from Miss Potts open Facebook profile they were not explicit or embarrassing they showed her um you know in a, in a good way, having you know, out having fun at home and on holiday, um, and they weren't intended to mock or ridicule. So there was no kind of insensitivity in their publication. And I think we should also say, and I think we probably will discuss this on another future podcast, that there is kind of a separate clause for the reporting of suicide in the editor's code. So, um, although that we're talking about the social media element, there obviously that clause did apply in this case. Um, so let's move on and talk about something a little bit different, which is an online petition. So I'm sure that we have all seen them. Some, most of us have probably signed one or another at some point in our lives. Um, so this particular petition um, was about school uniforms, wasn't it, Liam? Yeah, so this was a case where um, a 15-year-old had uh, commented on a petition about her school uniform, saying about how unfair it all was and those kinds of things. And this was then picked up by um, the Leicester Mercury. And these comments were printed along with her name. And um, this was without the child's consent, nor that of her uh, parents or stepfather. So her stepfather complained, um, saying that it was a breach of the code for these comments to be printed without such consent. Um, And it was interesting because the committee um, interprets Clause 6 to mean uh, that children shouldn't be interviewed but that interviewing doesn't just mean sort of a journalist going up to a child and asking some questions it also means taking uh, comments or information that people have posted on social media and using that and printing those as comments or quotes um, so the committee did say that clause six was engaged but because the comments were innocuous and didn't relate to her welfare or any other child's welfare it wasn't actually a breach of clause six mm, so this is a kind of another example of putting your comments 
events and information in the public domain yeah um in a way that kind of was taken up by newspapers and magazines um say for our final complaint let's look at um so this complaint is gorman versus daily star which covers the manchester arena attacks so i think as you mentioned earlier charlotte sometimes social media is used in a really positive way um and although the subject matter of this complaint is obviously a kind of terrible tragedy um people were using social media to kind of look for missing people for getting the word out so kind of in that way kind of a useful tool for doing that but this kind of covers a little bit about something that went a bit wrong with that so um what happened was uh, Pauline Gorman complained to Ipso after a photo of her daughter was published on the front page of the Daily Star um, and the photo identified that Pauline Gorman's daughter was missing, was one of the people missing or dead following the terror attack. The caption said she was missing and referred to her daughter by a false name. Um, now, the committee upheld this complaint and what it turned out, what had actually happened was that following the Manchester Arena attack, um, Pauline Gorman's, uh, the photo of Pauline Gorman's daughter had been used by um, somebody to, and they created a hoax Twitter account. They'd taken this photo of this young lady and used it and said that the, the, Ms. Gorman's daughter was one of the missing. Um, and then that this information had been collected by a news agency from this fake tweet and then published in, in the newspaper. I think this this is a really interesting issue, Vicky, because as you say, and as Liam's already touched on, you know, social media can be really valuable when you're reporting on breaking news. You're hearing from people on the ground what's going on. You're kind of seeing people reach, try to find families and friends. That's that's really valuable. But we actually had a really interesting conversation at our journalist panel about this um, this particular issue and the challenges for journalists when you're reporting on breaking news. There's lots of information on social media. How do you verify that the Twitter account that you're looking at is could you know is 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 one that might well be telling the truth you know how do you check the information that you're seeing when it's just lots of different accounts piling in with what they are allegedly seeing on the ground and i think that's really difficult but i think for this one the newspaper just hadn't taken care to check whether the information that they were publishing was accurate now in fairness to the daily star you know as soon as they were made aware of this issue they published a really full correction they tried to rectify the the issues that had been raised but because it was so serious in terms of the misidentification of Pauline Gorman's daughter as one of the missing when she hadn't even been at the arena um, it, the complaint was upheld and um well, we should say as well that actually when the complaint was upheld that um, even though the Daily Star had published a correction about this, they then had to publish um, a full adjudication about this and it had to go, a reference to it had to go on their front page. So um, it was kind of a very serious breach of the code in terms of accuracy. Um, and again, it just kind of demonstrates that even if the material is from social media, that the editor's code still does apply and that newspapers, journalists have to take care to make sure the information that they're reporting is accurate. Well, I think that's about all we've got time for today on our first podcast. So we hope you enjoyed it and we'd really like to hear your comments and feedback. So please do drop us a line at inquirieswithanei at ipsa.co.uk or you can tweet us your thoughts at ipsanews. Um, and you can also find all of the information that we've discussed today on our website, which, as I've said, is ipsa.co.uk. And we hope that you will join us again for our next podcast soon.